Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a Pancreas Pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Christy. And thanks for uh, for letting us get through a few weeks there without dropping a recording. We're still here. We're just a couple of busy bees. Um, this week's episode is going to be something that like we haven't really talked about, and it's really difficult to look back at our nine seasons, I think it's been, eight or nine, I, I don't even know, and find a new topic. So um, if we've covered this before, let me know because honestly news to me at this point. But we want to talk about what it's like having a roommate, whether that's being, you know, your partner or a friend or a college roommate, whatever, when you're the one that has type 1 diabetes. Um, I mean, we're not talking about like, there's no hard and fast rule to any of this. Christy and I, we're just thinking about like sharing our experiences with it and like funny scenarios. If you have, I feel like there's got to be a lot of hot button opinions on this, um, different things, like whether or not you silence your alarms, whether like if you have a continuous glucose monitor, um, what have you. But just to start things off, Christy, can you share, because you were diagnosed, head back to season one, episode one of Pancreas Pals to hear Christy's diagnosis story. You were diagnosed right before you went off to college. So how was it disclosing your diabetes to your roommate? And like, what did you say, if you recall? I, I definitely do remember because I did not say a thing. Um, I think it was so recent after my diagnosis. I did not want to say a thing before we got there, which I pretty much immediately regretted because upon move in, um, I just want to say up front, my college roommate, my freshman year roommate, Hannah, was a doll. Loved her. Great experience. Um, but of course, immediately, my mom rolls up with our little cooler. First thing I have to do is put my insulin in our mini fridge. So already, I'm like immediately coming in and taking up real estate in what's a very limited like size space. We didn't even talk about how we were going to split up the space in the mini fridge. You know, how much XYZ do you want to put in there? Like... Do we each put our own little milk on the door for late night cereal? We didn't have we didn't have the chance to talk about any of that, and I immediately ended up taking up a good chunk of the space. Yeah. But I was a little supplies. bit, and I was just a little bit nervous. I remember about going to CVS to get my supplies, so I definitely had a good chunk of insulin with me. I looked in the fridge, and I'm like, I took up half of this thing with my medical supplies, and I gave her absolutely no warning that I was doing that. So the first time, and it was probably the first day. Um, I remember trying to make it sound so, so casual. I was leaving out huge, important details, like the <laughs> insulin in the fridge or like my emergency snacks. I just was like, Oh, like I have all of this juice, like have as much as you want. Like I should have said, like, if there's one juice box left, don't take it. <laughs> I can't remember an incident where that was really a problem, but I was just so desperate to make this sound casual and normal. Obviously, you know, you're making new friends. You want to make a good impression on your roommate. I just didn't want to freak her out by whipping out my glucagon pen first thing and being like, oh, just so you know, if I'm ever not responding in the morning, you just like jab this in my thigh real quick. I'll show you later, girl. 
Like I didn't want to try real quick. How lucky are these youths that they get the vaccine as like their explanation? If you know, if they're lucky enough to afford, acquire, what have you, vaccine is a nasal glucagon, which is basically a nose spray. Um, I have that now. Same, same. I have it. I have it now. (laughs) Imagine being like eighteen and, or just you know, telling someone that you're a type one diabetic, and sharing how to basically help resuscitate you, or you know bring up your blood sugar if you're in a coma or not a coma, if you're having seizure or in crisis, like that glucagon syringe of days gone by, AKA like three years ago, um, was so intimidating that I did not have faith to this day. I do not have faith that some people would use it. You know what I mean? Like it's also not a preloaded thing the way that your insulin pen is like, you've got to swirl the mixture, draw back a certain amount so someone in an emergency situation, and again, I just did not want to make myself sound like a liability off the bat when this is my potential first friend. Like that was all that was Aww. ringing in my head was just how do I make myself just come off as normal as possible? And of course, I think in doing that, I left out things that would have been relevant, helpful, and if anything else, just put into context some behavior. <laughs> and I just didn't want it to sound like I just didn't want it to be a big deal. So I was downplaying yeah. everything. I definitely did not show her that glucagon pen. Mom, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't think I ever really brought Hannah through any emergency beyond, you know, you know, those three little numbers, 911, dial those. <laughs> Something that her parents hopefully taught her. I don't think I let her in on any of the emergency stuff. Um well, my question for you then is, which, you know, that's, I'm, the past is the past and you were also I would 18. definitely go about, I would definitely go about it differently now. Yeah. But my question for you is kind of like, what other things did you disclose or did you have a conversation about turning the lights on after a certain hour if you were having a low blood sugar? Is that even a conversation you needed to have? Like, did your meter have a backlight. I remember my vintage meter, vintage, I was diagnosed eight years ago. People listening who were diagnosed way before that are probably going to skewer me. But, tech- but technology deserved. technology has come a long way in those eight years. It truly has. And I, whatever was improved, approved by insurance at the time did not have a backlight. So anytime I needed to check my blood sugar, I needed a light. I'd either have to use my phone like light, um, flashlight, or would try and sneak out and go into the bathroom or you know, sometimes I just have to say, F it, I'm going to just turn on the light because I'm really freaking low. Um, what What did you, what were those conversations like? My meter did have a backlight. Honestly, I dealt with that so as an as-we-go basis. I remember one time, and again, when I think about how, for lack of a better word, stupid I was freshman year and just lackadaisical, did not want this to like hinder my socialization process at all. I remember there was a time where I was low overnight and Emily, I am not kidding. I had no juice in the room. What I did have was a banana. So it was, I, had, I had not, the, yeah, I stole it out of the dining hall. Who are we kidding? We all steal from the dining hall. Oh my God. Uh, I don't know what I think they're going to do. If BU Dining hears this, I'm like, oh, I didn't steal it. No, I definitely stole it. I stole cereal for years as well. Um, it was like 3 a.m. I was having a low idiot freshman year. Christy had no juice on hand. So I was like quietly getting up and like peeling the banana and eating it. 
And I do remember Hannah kind of rolling over and being like, what's going on? And I said, I'm having a low blood sugar. And she must have like Googled after I said I have type 1 diabetes. She must have looked it up on her own. She said, okay. And was chill and just like rolled back over. But I was like, how looking back, how unfair of me not to give any context, any context (laughs) as to really what that meant. But you know, I disagree. I don't think it's unfair. I mean, I think we each as individuals keeping ourselves alive, whether you have a chronic condition or not, we're just doing the best we can. And Christy, if you want a midnight banana, you have your midnight banana. Like, it's easier for me to say this because obviously I'm like, almost eight years removed from college at this point. Um, Probably, I'm not good at math. (laughs) LOL. Christy and I were in the College of Optional Math, known as College of Communications, COM at BU. Shout out to pretty much all the professors that made our lives hell, but also that bonded us, uh, trauma bond, (laughs) and we love each other now. Um, Always have. But I just look back. I had, you know, since I was diagnosed in between my sophomore and junior year of college, like properly diagnosed with type one, I had already like, I was living with my, one of my college best friends, Jen Bourne, shout out to Jen, you rock, don't ever change. Um, and so it was, I was so lucky to have someone that not only like, uh, like chose to live with me before, like was there with me throughout my entire diagnosis process pretty much. Um, and you know, was a support system and, she, if anything was super serious, she'd be like, okay, let's, let, let, you know, like, what do you need me to do? But she also gave me enough space, like, const- like she knew when to just let me be and, um, you know, never tried to, she knew I had it. She knew I had it under control To Looking back, did I have it under control? No. Um, does anyone have it under control? Probably no, but also LOL, initial diagnosis, literally like Carrie running around with blood on my hands, like, what is diabetes health? Um, but yeah, I mean, I just feel so lucky. I, I know that I ended up getting, I mean, I studied abroad also like six months after my diagnosis. And so had another roommate who was not Jen, who I did not know, who was honestly, I'm not going to say anything negative. She is living her truth and she was very nice. Um, she did make a really weird comment about my diabetes. That was like a really big turn off to me. Um, I can't remember now what it was. I know my parents remember because I cried about it because it was, I was so recently diagnosed that I just, she said something insensitive, probably knowing, not knowing that it was insensitive. Um, you know, I feel like a lot of mean things come from a place of ignorance. So it's, uh, not, not that, but I, I think she said something like, you know, like that's such a burden, like that you have this, like saying like it was like a burden on her that I had diabetes. And I was like, what? Um, also, I love I'm making all these really weird noises and I keep forgetting people can't I'm, see I'm me. only reacting with my face. It's horrified for those that are interested. Doesn't play well on a podcast, but. Oh, well, I mean. That's not a cool thing to say. <laughs> no, she, well, the thing is she was really. She, she just didn't understand. Do you know what I mean? Like, I hold no ill will, harbor no – like, we ended up becoming friendly. Like, she – it is what it is. We were only roommates for, like, five months, four months. Like, at the time, it felt like a lifetime. But looking back, it was such a blip, you know? And I'm almost 29. Like, for me to say that it was a blip and I haven't even been alive for 30 years, it really was a blip. And maybe that's 
where I was kind of coming from freshman year. Um, I mean, Hannah and I got along great and definitely, you know, we're in touch throughout the rest of college. We did not room together after that. Um, We keep in touch on social media and stuff. But I think I was approaching my freshman year of college. Like it probably took a couple weeks for us to kind of acknowledge, like we actually got along great as roommates, but we're probably not going to be like lifelong tight friends. So I think I might've done a little bit of like a cost analysis of like, how much do I want to disclose and let this person in on something that at the time right. felt so private to me still, cause it was so new. Like how much do I want to disclose and make myself uncomfortable with this conversation for the sake of something that at the end of the day is less than a full calendar year. Cause it was just the length of the academic year. Right. Um, and I don't know, I think, I, I don't remember Hannah ever saying anything even slightly insensitive, um, but trust me, as a pregnant woman with type 1 diabetes, when people put that together, you would not believe oh the things God. that, you would not believe the things that fall out of people's mouths. We so need to do an I, episode with Miriam about like the most wild things that you guys have heard as uh, as mothers, expecting mothers, what have you, but um, <laughs> it could yeah. I'm sure it, it would shock you. It, was, it, it, it would legitimately horrify you. But I think that's why my skin is just a little bit thicker now than it was then because you do need to take some of those comments on board. But I don't know. I think it potentially at the time was me not even wanting to risk hearing those comments. And that's why I kept it like just so close to my chest. I just didn't want to put out there. Like I didn't want to sure. – I didn't want to tell Hannah I was diagnosed via a coma and like hey that and hey and it could and it could happen again girl like I didn't want to I didn't want to phrase it that way I mean listen I think that we have to keep in mind that as we're dealing with this the people around us are dealing with it in their own way and as we're being introduced to these things they are also being introduced to these things and at the end of the day this isn't their illness to take on. So the amount of um, involvement or the amount of research or thinking that each person's going to do is so different than what we would do because we're the ones (laughs) keeping ourselves alive. So I think that, you know, and this is something I want to get into in a minute, having a roommate versus moving in with your partner. Um, It's such a different thing, such a 180, but I do want to say a few more things that might be constructive or helpful for those listening that are living with a roommate or maybe are going to college or grad school or what have you and are anticipating having this conversation. Because anytime you disclose that you have anything that makes you any any different than anyone else, there's definitely some apprehension, at least for me, that that is associated with that. So some tips. And again, I am not a licensed mental health professional. I am not uh, the picture of having an amazing life with diabetes. I'm just me. And this is just from um, some of some life lessons learned. Um, I would say have conversations that you feel the most confident in, like topics that you feel okay to discuss, ready to go when you're first you know, start off with something that you're you're comfortable with when you're first meeting someone you're going to be living with. Um, I think that you have to do you. So if you have a low blood sugar and you need to turn on the light, maybe there's an in-between. If your roommate gets frustrated by that, 
a that sucks because like you are having low blood sugar so like maybe have a sensitivity conversation <laughs> around that um but maybe there's an in-between where you have like a little side lamp that you can turn on and not turn on like an actual big overhead light or you know there's something that you can meet in the middle um same thing goes for alarms i was concerned with like waking my roommate up with my alarms but also the goal is always to like not have alarms so <laughs> Uh, it's not always that you, it's not to say that you need to adjust your alarm targets. Um, I think there is a bigger conversation to be had with your healthcare provider. If you're finding that you are having a ton of alarms, cause that's like kind of a different discussion, but, um, there are ways you can do vibrate if that wakes you up on your phone or you can use your receiver or what have you. Or if you're like Christy who woke up in the middle of the night, every night to check her blood sugar. Christy, what what was that like for you back in the day? Did you have anything with – I mean, I guess you had the backlight, so you didn't really have to turn on the light. You're right. But you know what? I did used to set – I'm telling you, pregnancy brain has attacked the rest of my normal functioning brain as well. I just block out things. I just, like, have let go of the negative memories <laughs> just from my – pre-pregnancy life I just like choose not to recall these details I did used to set an alarm if not multiple alarms on my phone overnight to check and make sure death was not approaching um (laughs) freshman year I think I tried to set them as minimally as possible and you know what this is really like not a good thing but I definitely let myself run high overnight way more often than I should have so that I didn't need to get up and eat a banana there's a lot of steps that there's like a lot of steps on the in-between that's letting yourself run high and eating the only source of glucose in your room dumb 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 little christy Um, there's a lot there's a lot of steps there's a lot of uh steps on the in-between it doesn't need to be that extreme i'm sure i had like a glucose shot but you know was resentful of taste and stuff um It was easier when I moved into an apartment with multiple friends my junior year of college because obviously, like, I got my own mini fridge. That was fab. Setting an alarm was no longer a big deal because I had my own room. Freshman year, I would say I did set alarms, but I definitely set them only if I was trending, like, really badly that day and I felt like I needed to, which without a CGM, probably I did need to every (laughs) night and just didn't. So I handled that with ignorance and... (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty much it I know looking back I'm like I, mean, I don't know how you know. I, I don't know how I got away with that like I would put one juice box in my little over-the-shoulder bag and like head out for the town and now I mean obviously I'm like carrying a child so I'm a little bit more paranoid just a tad more but I don't go anywhere without emergency glucose tabs emergency glucose shot and a juice and my emergency nose spray like how did I ever go out with just like a single juice box and I was like oh yeah yeah, That'll cover you, me. You used to not bring glucagon with you, right? No, I was a clown. I I remember having no one bought <laughs> no one bought tickets to the circus, but I was oh clowning. No, I just remember having this conversation. You were looking at me like, "Why was I so concerned?" Like you were like, "No, just bring a juice box," and I was like, "But where's your glucagon, Christy?" And you were like, "I don't have it." It's like what? But again, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, from a safety perspective, obviously. I would always prefer our listeners to, you know, if they have access to it. Or know, at least at it. least the straight glucose. Like the fact that I did not have a true low emergency my freshman year 
is a miracle beyond miracles, but I am so prepared these days for every possible scenario. I walk around, I have at least like three rolls of glucose tabs and glucose, like liquid glucose, always, even in my nightstand. Now a word from one of our sponsors. Hey Christy, have you heard of US Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website. And now back to the episode. Oh, and my nightstand is packed with glucose. It's like... But I would just... I, over the years, I've realized, and it's probably through living with roommates and having, you know, again, knock on wood, I have never had an emergency where someone had to like resuscitate me in any way shape or form but I certainly have been low enough and you know we'll get into living with partners I guess in our next convo here but like I definitely have felt low enough where I'm like Zach I want or need you to go get me something because or like I'll, I'll wake him up if I'm having a bad low overnight um like I just wake him up and I just say like I just need you to spot me like there's nothing you need to do but I just need you to wake up and just like be there watch be this watch this tra- exactly um like nine yeah. times out of ten I can handle my overnight lows but if I'm really exhausted which again shocker happens with pregnancy and again you're trying to keep your numbers low like if especially with the new CGM right. if you're accidentally laying on it or something if numbers just slip lower than you realize your CGM is still catching up and you're lower than it says and my body thankfully still will wake me up when I'm dropping below comfort level which is something I've always appreciated um, but if I'm like to the point where I'm shaky and sweaty, I am so much more likely to ask for, obviously Zach is my husband, life partner, love slave, whatever. Um, <laughs> <Dead. it's> fun. <laughs> um, slave, I can't. it's fine. It's voluntary. He thinks, um, the point is. You you do want to be able to count on someone if you're just straight up not feeling well. And looking at the people that I lived with previously, I could have leaned on them harder. Like I could have leaned on Hannah more than I think I gave her credit for, especially as we we did live so well together and, you know, went to the dining hall together. Like we were friends at the time. I could have asked more of her than I did. I just like dared not. Um, well, because we feel th- the early diagnosis days, at least for me, I felt like diabetes was such a burden. I still feel like it's a burden. And why would I want to put that burden on anyone else? You know, like not thinking or realizing that people have the capacity to help care for you. The burden doesn't have to be solely on us. So, you know, all these years later, I'm able to recognize that and getting into, you know, having a supportive partner is a huge part of that. But when I lived with my twin sister right after I graduated college, shout out to Laura, um, she was amazing with my diabetes. And it's weird to say that, but again, I was diagnosed in college, so I hadn't lived with anyone in my family when I was like when I had diabetes. They were learning about it 
only really when I came home or as much research as they were doing on their own. So, um, you know, each family member to this day has different level of knowledge of diabetes, but um, I truly feel like I can rely the most on Laura just because she, I lived with her and she was in the trenches with me. She still is uh, when, you know, through all the ups and downs, at, literally on my Dexcom um, through my high and low blood sugars. So I think it's just as much as we're, what I have relied on, you know, someone who wasn't my twin sister as heavily, absolutely not just because, um, you know, it was, it was something that at the time I felt like I needed. And to this day, like she's just supportive, but thinking back to studying abroad, like I had to bring six months of supplies with me because I couldn't get like my Omnipods at the time in London. I couldn't like all this stuff. Um, so I came with a lot of physical baggage and I think that that also made me feel like I came a lot with emotional baggage, came with a lot of emotional baggage. So having roommates, um, that aren't, you know, your best friend or sister or, you know, family member, I think it can be difficult to open up to them and feel like we're not being a burden simply by existing in their space. Um, because we have so many of these different alarms going off or needs that they won't have. Um, their biggest concern is going to be stocking up the fridge with, you know, what did we used to drink back in the day? Smirnoff ice and like, <laughs> like that, you know? So I think that obviously our priorities change as we get older and as we have these chronic illnesses for longer, but, um, and the people in our lives are more or less committed based on what season we are in our lives. But I do think that, um, you know, touching on, let's start talking about having a partner and how much that's different. I, cause I moved in with Matt a year ago from this month. So, um, and you have been living with your husband for longer than that. So yeah, no, I mean, having a supportive romantic prisoner is definitely, it's an, it's you an, like an, a trigger warning for all the Christine <laughs> jokes tonight. Like, <laughs> I mean, I'm here for it, but also like, Here's a trigger warning for all of Christie's jokes. Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) Having a romantic partner. Sorry, not prisoner. Um, Someone who just understands responding to the situation appropriately. Again, if I'm waking Zach up overnight, he knows I'm not feeling good because I can reach over most nights, have a sip of juice, you know, because it's my job now to boost from 60 to 65 and then get through the rest of the night that way. Um, he knows nine times out of 10, mama's got it. If I'm waking him up, I don't feel good. So having someone who knows when to snap to attention versus if we're just sitting on the couch and, you know, he has only just started my left foot rub and I'm interrupting it to ask him to go get me some juice, you know, probably a little bit less pressure. Um, but it's appropriate to just say, okay, like, We've got this in the fridge. We've got this over here. Like it's less of an urgency, and I do appreciate having options between you know my refrigerated YooHoo versus versus like Welsh's fruit snacks. There's less of a a rush to it um, than waking someone up overnight. And I think as you live with someone, Zach and I have lived together since May of 2019. Yes, yes, May of 2019. Um, that nuance definitely just comes with time. I was kind of joking with Emily before the episode. I remember way, way, way back when Zach and I first started 
dating the first time he slept over yes out of marriage sorry everyone um <laughs> if that was not clear we weren't we weren't married on the third date um oh my god well you don't have to share that but continue <laughs> oh, well come on i'm pretty out in the open here it's too late it's too late for no me. judgment no judgment it's too late for me I remember hiding juice boxes in the bathroom because I didn't want to wake him up to like the sounds of me suckling on an apple juicy juice. So it's like, I'm I'm just, like I can't these. I like these getting every last. I like getting every last drop. I want to make sure like every gram of carb gets in there. So I, just, I, like, I, I get that juice box is dry by the time I'm done with her. I, uh, <laughs> I had it hidden in the bathroom closet because I was like, I do not want to wake up this boy with me on a juicy juice fast forward to what are my options do we have grape in the fridge is there Excuse apple me, sir. where is my low snack you heard that alarm just as well as i did you know what this is also reminding me i mean zach is on my dexcom but i used to have a bell that was given oh, to me no. as a gift for zach i'm so sorry this what is happened not to my, my bell that did mysteriously disappear when we moved oh he's gonna it hear sounds, about this later where's my no, bell sounds like it's for the best it sounds like a happy marriage uh doesn't involve you literally ringing a bell for your husband to bring you something i'm gonna need uh, that for the third trimester i'll look into this will. later you will you will need that for the third trimester um for those of you who don't know christy's pregnant moving on <laughs> and also crazy <laughs> No, not crazy. Um, it's separate from the pregnancy. I think, yeah, I'm moving, I'm moving past this because I can't, I, I can't unload this right now. Um, but I think that for me, again, like Matt and I have been together, we had been together for two and a half years, I think just, yeah, two and a half years when we first moved in together and no, three and a half, no, wait, what? We started dating in 2019 very early 2019. And um, we spent a lot of time at each other's apartments. Matt had a studio in the Lower East Side that was literally a tenement. Um, So I, you know, it was a studio. So we didn't have to be too worried about me waking up his roommates when my blood sugar alarms went off and stuff like that. And obviously I lived with my twin sister at the time, Laura, who was very much used to all my alarms and things like that. But I do remember sitting on his bed after having probably one of the worst lows I've ever had. And he, I'd very much, this was probably about like, I want to say six months into us dating um, before the pandemic hit. Cause we'd been dating for about a year when the pandemic, yeah, like exactly a year when the pandemic hit. And I think I was in like the low 30s, dropping like it's hot, double arrow down, insulin on board, just feeling like the end of times were upon me. And um, I remember he he was so used to like me knowing exactly what I'm doing and not having to interfere. But I was so low that I like couldn't communicate as effectively as I wanted to. So I remember he was like just strolling to get me some Starbursts like on the other side of his studio. And I was like, Matt need glucose now like I was like dying and I like shoved it in my face and he like sat there and just like helped me um let, let I think me, that like, I think that up. is intense the first time yeah that a partner sees you slightly I don't want to say incapacitated but I can't remember the instance of my first low but I do remember you know having my first couple of low lows and it was over time it wasn't back to back or anything but there is definitely a moment when it's kind of registering for the other person, like I'm needed. 
this is not yeah. like them not getting up because you know Sorry, I happen to be in the kitchen like yeah I'm I'm needed in this moment they need what they need now and I think it's definitely something that's a bonding experience um Trump bond <laughs> But I, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge trust piece. It is. But I also think that it's difficult because I feel like personally, I walk this line in every aspect of my life when I'm sharing that I have this chronic illness of wanting to relay the seriousness of the disease without wanting people to treat me like I am a fragile piece of glass. Like it's just this constant give and take because sometimes I am fragile. Sometimes I can't walk an extra half a mile because I truly might pass out. Like I, there are very specific and hopefully super infrequent situations where I do personally need to take a beat. Um, And that can be said of anyone, regardless of their chronic illness, but specifically with type one diabetes and having dosing ourselves with this lethal, but super important liquid um, that keeps us alive, but could also kill us. It's just so stressful. And when you have that first instance with your partner, as opposed to with your roommate, I personally felt like I could lean on Matt and it really, um, and I still feel that way. Like now it, it's hilarious. He's always like, um, if you're having a low blood sugar, just say juice me and I will go get you a juice. And he likes, he loves reminding me of that. He, I think he thinks it's like the cutest thing and it really is the cutest thing and it melts my cold, cold heart. It's the power but, of Stockholm syndrome and it's amazing. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> okay. I'm going to move past that one, but because uh, I, I honestly, am I the Cap D or is he the Cap D? I, I think of us as the Cap Tours. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's something to discuss with our therapists for sure. For sure. <laughs> but um, I, I mean, the other day I'm sitting on the couch and I went from like a hundred to like 40 within like 15 minutes. Like it was wild. Um, and also like, I think I just had my period, like that was the only explanation that and like not counting carbs properly. And, um, I turned him and I was like, juice me. And he literally like, he shoots up and like runs to the kitchen and grabs me a juice. And then like, he'll wait for me to come back up. It'll be like, do you need another one? What have you? And, you know, we go about our day. And I also think that like, when you have a partner, you're not just living with a person, right? You're you're traveling with them. You're making a life together. So Matt and I recently went to Spain. And this is something that I really struggled with is communicating when I need to take a break, like take a beat because of the time change really affected my blood sugar and um, also like the food um, because I am a big foodie and I literally wanted to eat everything. And I was like, I'm not going to let this stop me. And I didn't, but I didn't feel great <laughs> because of all the roller coaster shugs. So we were trying to figure out how we were going to like, it got to the point where Matt was like, okay, you need to be fed and seated, but it's not the time that he wanted. Like I wanted to eat at like my body wanted me to eat at like seven o'clock at night, but like in Spain, you don't eat until nine thirty or 10. So I couldn't go that long without having something. It's been a long time since I've had to work around a time difference. And I'm thinking about that now with how like delicate my 
new routine is, that would throw me off hardcore. Yeah. Tra- traveling on traveling within time differences would throw me off a lot because I'm my body definitely expects even snacks now at yeah. like a very specific time. Yeah, I mean I think but but all this is to say that like it was really a challenge for us as a couple to work on communication. Like and by like because we each had expectations for the trip, right? Like we wanted when we travel, we don't like to be super tourists. We like to like try and assimilate as much as we can or acclimate and acclimate to the time difference. But um, we made it work and we had a great time, but there was definitely a learning curve that we didn't figure out until probably like the sixth or sixth day. And we were there for like nine days. The first six days I was getting hangry and like chewing Matt out all the time. Um, But also trying to keep to myself that like, I, you know, like I needed, I couldn't just like walk two miles, have a drink and then wait another hour and then eat. Like I needed a snack, which I did bring, but also I felt rude. Like, having snacks while we're sitting and having a cocktail that I brought for myself. You also of- want to kind of save your appetite too. Like we've definitely had, or I've definitely had those experiences too, where like we'll have a dinner plan where we're going out or something and you don't want to spoil your appetite. You're like, oh, like I want to save like my glucose boost yeah, for like exactly. the appetizer. But the fact of the matter is you can't always time it. Exactly. So, and there's nothing more frustrating than overtreating a low and sitting down to eat like an actual meal. That to me, I just, and again, something to talk to my therapist about, but it always makes me feel like a failure. I know that I am not a failure. I know that we're all doing, I'm doing the best I can. I'm sure you listener are also doing the best you can, but it's just like, it ruins your appetite and it just doesn't make me feel great because then I'm insulin stacking and there's just a lot of things going on. Anyways, I have rambled a lot, but all this is to say that finding a supportive partner is so key in, um, in what you're looking for in someone you want to spend time with, let alone the rest of your life. And I think those early days of getting to know him and, you know, us dating really it's not the same as moving in together because I literally have like a whole closet full and in New York that is prime real estate like you have to love someone to let like to be like chill about having an entire closet just for diabetes stuff because you only have like three closets if you're lucky so um, you guys pay like 600 bucks a closet in New York (laughs) we honestly trying to do the math, but I think it's more. <laughs> it's insane. So all this all this is to say that like it's a learning experience, whether it's moving in with your partner or having a freshman roommate or a grad school roommate or moving in with a friend for the first time. Like you living with someone is very different than just being with someone. And I think once you become more comfortable with your chronic illness, with type one, what have you, it's they'll be more comfortable with it because at the end of the day, usually people only know as much as you tell them like about what's going on inside of you um, unless you're like the doctor, but that would be doctors can't date patients. So that's a whole other story. Um, so yeah, that's my Ted talk. That was okay. effective. Any last thoughts, Christy? Um, just that I think whether it's moving in with a partner, as Emily said, there's going to be things that, come up and are relevant when you're living together that 
aren't irrelevant when you're dating, but you know, suddenly little things that you do, like having a little snack before you go out to meet them out. And they're like, Oh, like I didn't realize that was something you did or, you know, whatever it is. Leaving um, test strips out by accident. Ooh, <laughs> that wasn't a problem with Matt, but that was a problem with a past boyfriend. They were, he hated it. He was like, he's like, this is disgusting. And I'm like, I didn't mean to. It dropped on the floor. <laughs> also, like, if I'm reaching for a test strip, I'm probably shaking, but yeah, neither, we, neither here nor there. That should have been the first red flag. This was also like five years ago, keep in mind. So I was also only like four years into diabetes. So. <laughs> live, live and learn. Well, definitely as time goes, like, I really am thinking back to my freshman year. And again, whether it's a partner you're moving in with who you've been with for a while, um, or a new roommate, like whatever the situation, I think presenting confidently and comfortably, and of course, you know, you don't need to put yourself out there more than you're comfortable, but I think just explaining, you know, when I have a low blood sugar, that means I'm below this number. Typically I just have a juice box and I feel better. Sometimes I need more, you know, you don't need to get into the nuances of sometimes I need less, but I think just explaining like what standard protocol is just so it's not shocking when you do that. And it's not something you feel – I think I would have felt less on display treating lows and stuff like that, whether you know we were walking to class together, et cetera, if I had just explained what any of this was because I felt like I was trying to hide it and like sneak the juice box. Like it would just – it would have been so much breezier to have just shared up front and – I just would recommend that people do that. Don't be like me. Don't be a closeted diabetic. Oh, my God. But also, you know, for all the roommates listening, maybe whether or not you have type 1, type 2, pre whatever, whether or not you have any type of illness, I think the biggest takeaway is don't be a jackass. It's not that hard. Just, you know, be as supportive as you feel mentally capable of being and be there for your loved one or the stranger that clearly – you know, is taking care of them and you take care of you, you know? Um, I think it's all about empathy or sympathy and just understanding as much as you can, but you can set boundaries. Like if you're like, okay, I'm worrying about this person's blood sugar all the time. This doesn't seem right. Then figure out together or on your own, like why you feel the need to do that and set a boundary. Maybe you only check in on them if they're below 50 or maybe you realize that they never asked you to check in on them and they got it and let it be, you know? So I think that's, I mean, again, I've only ever been the person with type one. I've never lived with someone with type one. So I'm sure there's like a whole support group for that as well. Um, But yeah. Thanks for listening guys. Was that an abrupt end, Christy? I would have ended on don't be a jackass. It's not that hard. So no. I mean, we can still end on that. Should I say it one more time? Because honestly, people in the back need to hear it. Um, Don't be a jackass. It's not that hard. Anyways, follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals on Facebook at pancreas pals PP. Hit our email up at pancreas pals one, two, three at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Um, We will have more episodes. I think the season's supposed to end, but I might just keep rolling out a few more for the season because it's been a minute since we've had a regular cadence. So thanks for listening. Christy, as always, you are glowing, radiant, and I cannot wait to be Aunt M to your little kiddo soonish. Hmm. Um, but yeah, thanks. Bye, everybody.
Yeah, that was the weirdest goodbye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Today's episode was brought to you by U.S. Med Supply. Thanks for listening. Hey, Christy, have you heard of U.S. Med Supply? I think I've seen a commercial for it. It's a medical supply company, right? Yeah, but apparently they're the number one distributor for Freestyle Libre Systems nationwide, the number one specialty distributor for Omnipod Dash, and the number one fastest growing tandem distributor nationwide. Plus, they're rated as the number one distributor in Dexcom customer satisfaction surveys. Ooh, sounds like something I need to check out. Do they partner with most insurance companies? Yep, and they'll even help us get set up and work with our insurance companies so we don't have to spend hours on the phone. The actual dream. Right? We and all of our pals can head to usmed.com backslash pals or call 888-721-1516 to sign up now. Already on their website.